I would say this is a biblical story of hope concerning the relationship of Jesus and the disciple John, the beloved John. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, so I can let Pastor Chad go sit down, is going to be our starting place today. Oh, no problem. Ain't no problem. You should just let me finish. I was wondering why everybody was looking at me funny. There are friends who destroy each other, but real friends, thank you, Pop, stick closer than a brother. There are real friends who stick closer than a brother. You got that on the screens. There are friends who destroy each other. But there are real friends that stay to the end. Stay to the end. Chuck came to me this morning, Pruitt, who was a leading board member and pastor over at the old Evangel Temple building before that 11 acres uh, became Oaks Church's future home. And he said, my teacher, when I was in elementary school, taught us this, that the word friend ends with the word end. And how you should categorize real friends in your life is do they stay to the end? You, you know, the older I get, the problem, and I'm, I better slow down before I get too far ahead of myself. I think the burr under my saddle is when it becomes contingent upon doing what you want me to do. Real friends stay to the end. Here's what it says. Proverbs 17, 17, Pastor Chad quoted it. A real friend is always loyal and you'll know them. They'll become the brothers in your life and they'll be there for you in your time of need. Father, I just simply pray today that you would uh, bless the rest of this service with your anointing, your presence, and God, that you would do in people's heart what needs to be done today so that they can value and have and experience and benefit from real friendship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Here's a little info that I want to share with you that I read up studying throughout the week. Statistics say that most people in life do not have good friends. Those same statistics say that throughout the journey of any individual's life, that if you have lived long enough and well enough to count the friends that stay to the end, the friends that are real friends, good friends, loyal friends, if you can count them on one hand, you've lived an exceptional life. You've had exceptional experiences that the majority of humanity never has. Also, I want you to know this, your friends are a current snapshot of your future. I, I, I was watching a, a clip yesterday from a preacher that I don't really care if you like him or not, that's, that's not what this is from. I'll go out on a limb on this one and just tell you, I do like him. <laughs> uh, my theology is not his theology entirely, but it's not with anybody's. Um, as yours is not with anybody's. But I was watching T.D. Jakes yesterday, and, and, and he made this statement. He said, be very careful not to tell me who you are, because then I may imprison you to the concept of who you said yourself to be. But what I've experienced and learned in life is that we should use language that is fluid and that is becoming 
that we are all shifting, we are all changing, we are all growing, we are all stepping into immaturity to maturity. You look at the people around you and they help you see that snapshot of where you're going. What's your in motion, fluidity of taking the shape of? Another interesting nugget that Chuck shared with me this morning that he's picked up over the 60 plus years of his life is that you should have a good friend in your life that you can trust with all of your life. I, I got to be honest with you, I got a phone call, and, and again, I'm blessed with some really good friends that, that I get to talk openly to. Um, but I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago. He's not here today. I, I really thought he would be here. Many of you know that he and I are friends. We have a, a special friendship. His name is Doug Pollock. You, you can't spend 10 years in Louisiana Department of Corrections sleeping in a two-man steel bunk bed, him on the top, me on the bottom, and not be friends. I got a phone call from Doug the other day that said, uh, hey, man, I, I want to go to lunch with you. And uh, so we went to my favorite spot. You know where that's at, Fat Pelican. We're, we're sitting there. Theodore's here this morning. Theodore, where you at? Madeline, where you at? I saw you on the way in. Where you at, Theodore? Oh, I can't see over there. The light's so bright. Man, if you ain't been to Fat Pelican and had their chicken and their vegetables and their roasted potatoes, you need to go see them. Plus, they also run an incredible ministry helping people in recovery here in the city of Monroe and West Monroe. So as we're sitting there, and he's like, hey, man, how's life? What are you doing? You know, phone's ringing. Everything's going off. I'm like, man, great. Everything's great. Bench went up this week. Body fat's down. This is great. You know, life's great. Church is great. And he took his glasses off, and he said, now cut the... (laughs) He said, I didn't ask how's the pastor. I asked how's my friend. And, 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 And can I just... That may not be your language. That may not be your jam. That may not be how you talk, and and I get that, and I'm not saying you should, but I'm just saying I've got a friend in my life that said, don't give me that. I want the real deal. How are things? And you know what I know in that moment? That guy sitting on the other side of that table seen me at my best, seen me at my worst, and there's nothing I can tell him that'll make him get up from that table and walk away from me. You need a friend that you can trust with your whole life. Somebody said, I wish he would go on and start preaching the Bible because he started meddling right out of the gate this morning. (laughs) So now back over to this concept, I'm sitting with another one of my good friends that I've been missing my bromance with. I think of Pastor Chad. How many of you love Pastor Chad? Come on, just put your hands together for him. Me and this guy have been together like for a long, 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 I don't even know how long. We went to Minnesota together. We, I mean, we have just done it all together. He's so independent. He's so strong. He's so on time. He's always prepared. His budgets are always in order. He's always got vision. He's always pushing Oaks Church to step into the next level. New camera shots, new graphics, new medias, new merch drops. I, I really don't have to babysit him. He, he's the kind of peer that you want on your team that makes you better. I I love to be surrounded with people like that. So I I had said to Brooke, I I said, you know, I don't, I think a pastor Chad is not needing a lot. And and Brooke said to me, she said, baby, I think you misread Chad. I think he needs more than anybody. And I said, woo, okay. So we were on our way to Vicksburg and uh, I said, Chad, let's go get something to eat after it's over. And we, we sat down 
at uh, walk-ons, and I was like, man, I miss my bromance with you, bro. What's happening? He was like, this is awkward. I'm leaving. <laughs> I said, look, I'm going to preach Sunday. I don't want to do stories of hope. I want to do a biblical story of hope. I, 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 this is, what, what if I get some other staff pastors? What if we, you know, what? And he was like, man, I think there's something with John. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I, I don't know. You find it. I just feel like they're dropping that off. Will you feel like there's something with John? So Monday morning, uncharacteristic to my nature, instead of just getting up and taking off like a hot rod, I just laid in the bed, laid in the bed, and I wrote this sermon before I ever even moved. And it was about the special friendship between Jesus and John, the biblical story of hope that they allow us to see together through their friendship. I want to say thank you to my friend Chad for just dropping that nugget in my heart that I feel like is going to help somebody in this place today. I don't know if you know this, but during the lifetime of Jesus, let me, let me start large because I'm a history fact guy and a Bible thumper and a guy that loves information because I, I need it in order to get the whole picture. Jesus' ministry took off at its inception According to early church records, when he took over 50,000 followers from John the Baptist on the Jordan River, Josephus says that John the Baptist had emptied the temple and that the reason the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were out there questioning John the Baptist, the wild man in a leather belt with camel's hair, eating locusts in the wilderness, preaching repentance that the kingdom of God was coming. The reason they were out there interrogating him, as religious people do, is because there was no one left in the temple to worship. That all of Jerusalem was out there listening to this new message, and then all of a sudden, one day, this long, lean Galilean who nobody knows begins to walk down the seashore, and John says to everyone there in earshot, he's going to increase, and I'm going to decrease. And from that day forward, they all left John and followed him. We see countlessly pictures in the scriptures where, let's say it started with 50,000, and then we see there's a group of over 500, did you know this, in the Gospels, for us, there were 500 disciples, not just 12. There was a 72, let's just make it a little bit smaller, commissioned number of disciples that were specially commissioned and given the power of the Holy Spirit to go heal, cast out demons, preach the gospel, work miracles. So at 50,000, 500, 72, and then let's shrink it a little bit smaller. Then it goes down to the 12 that he handpicked for this work. And then if you've ever read the gospels before, if you know much about the scripture, you know that there was an inner circle called the three. How many of you have an inner circle in this place? Somebody's or somebody that's for you in every season. And then inside of that inner circle, there's the one. There's the one. That one, my friend, refers to himself in that language as the beloved, and he testifies that I'm the one that wrote this gospel to you, the gospel of John. He, he, he kind of dropped the humble brag is what he did. He, 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 he bragged on the cool. He let you know I'm the one above all the other ones. And then when he finally gets old in life and he writes 1 John and 2 John, he says, look, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, I am the one that saw him. 
I am the one that heard him. I am the one that handled him with my own hands. And the reason I'm telling you it was me is because I want you to have the life that I have found that's in him. He just tells you, it's me. This story begins with this talking point right here. Friends, number one, give you a safe place to share your struggle. The friends in your life that are real friends, that are good friends, listen to me, can, can we talk about boundaries? We got a life group, Dr. Courtney Brazier and I, and I love it, on boundaries. If I could say there was one particular area that was not spiritual, that was practical in Oaks Church that I would want us to always be careful with, it would be this area of boundaries. A lot of well-intending, well-meaning people get out of their lane in West Monroe, Monroe, Louisiana by just overstepping good boundaries. I never knew that. I thought it was normal until I moved someplace how, and I got to see how abnormal it was. When people don't practice good boundaries, when people think all of your business is their business, when you think all of your business is everybody's business, if I could talk to you about one practical step today, it's learning to differentiate who to talk to what about. You don't talk to everybody about everything, but a lot of people do. Their lives, their friendship circles ends up in a, in a major place of confusion because of that. You got to know what's that inner circle. You've got to know who are those friends. So when you discover who that friend is or who those friends are, who is the one, somebody that you can really be you with and share it with, listen to me, they provide you a safe place. I, I, I didn't say an affirming place. I, I, I didn't say a, a, a butt kissing place. I, I didn't say a blow and smoke. I, I didn't say a tell you what you want. I just said a safe place. Everybody's laughing at me because I said butt, right? I done dropped the BS, zipper was unzipped, said, but this is your favorite church in town. That's why we go here. Who knows what will happen next week? Listen to this, John 13, 18 through 30. It's a little bit lengthy. The rest of the scripture won't be, but hey, I'd rather be Bible-based than opinion-based any day. I'm not saying these things to all of you. How many of you read the scriptures and think, oh, well, if it's in here, it's for me. Listen, I'm not saying this to all of you. Jesus said, I'm just going to drop this info at this table with who it's meant for. Jesus wasn't hitting the fork saying, announcement, announcement. I want everybody to know. He said, hey, I'm not saying this for all of you. I know the ones at this table that I've chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, there's one who eats my food and is turned against me. I tell you this beforehand, so that when this happens, and it all comes to light, you'll all believe that I was the Messiah, and I knew it before it happened. I'm telling you the truth. Anyone who welcomes a messenger in my name is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now, Jesus was deeply troubled. You, sh you should look up that word in Greek when you get home this week deeply troubled. He exclaimed, I tell you the truth, 
one of you at this table is going to betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering what this could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to him. We don't know who that is at this point. Simon Peter motioned to that disciple and said, who's he talking about? Me? That's what we would have all been saying. So the disciple leaned over to Jesus. What disciple? The disciple Jesus loved, the disciple who the King James Version says laid on his bosom, and he asked Jesus, who is it? And Jesus responded to him, not to Peter, not to the twelve, to him, John, it is the one whom I'm about to walk over, dip this bread in a bowl, and give it to And he walked over and he dipped it and he gave it to Judas Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and go do what you're going to do. None of the others besides John at that table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was the treasurer, they all just assumed he was telling them to go out and to buy some food for the poor. So Judas left at once going out into the night. Here's a a nugget I want to share with you. Confession brings clarity. Confession brings clarity. I'm, I'm shifting from the scripture, and I'm moving to your friendship circles. When you get stuff off your chest, and, and you've got that right one or that right ones to share that with, all of a sudden the sun is shining a little brighter. The glass is a little clearer. There's a little more clarity to the bigger picture where it may have been dingy and foggy. You can see better once you get it out what you've been holding in. There's these scriptures in in 1 John chapter 1 and 9 that says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, my friend. You confess your sins to God and God alone. He alone can only forgive you. But the Bible says in James, confess your faults, your transgressions, your trespasses, your mistakes. Confess them to one another so that you can be healed. You confess sin to God to be forgiven. You confess your faults to somebody because it brings the clarity that brings healing to your life. Making sense today? Sometimes I think we we get that twisted. I want to go confess my sins to other people and then they mess me over. No, you take that to God, baby. He's a friend that loves at all times. He's the friend that's closer than a brother. You take those transgressions, those fault to other people so that your lives can be reconciled and realigned. Listen to this, there's safety in sounding boards. Do I got any verbal processors in the room today? Do do I have any? I know some of you. Don't make me call you out in here. Jeffrey Rocket Edwards. (laughs) There are some verbal. I, I have to tell Jennifer. I say, you do know he don't have the answer. You do know he's talking himself to the answer. Just let him talk. She's like, how you know that? I'm like, because I'm a verbal processor. I don't know either. I'm going to get there. Just let me finish. When you're talking and putting it out there, it's like throwing spaghetti against the kitchen cabinet. In the old days, before I knew how to tell if the spaghetti was done, my grandma told me, you just throw it against the cabinet. When it's done, it sticks. We're in staff meeting, and we're like, do this, do this, save the world, spend a million dollars, build a building, take 1,000 women to Gulf Shores and have revival and go to Canton and buy a tour bus and 
order a mechanical bull and a pirate ship for friend day and pour a parking lot and drip oil stains on it before we open the build. And we're just all verbal process. And eventually something sticks. There's safety in sounding boards. I, I tell our staff, you've got to have an identity bigger than your ideas. Do not get your identity confused with your ideas because I promise you, we will not always pick your idea. But the best idea for the setting will rise to the top. And the decision we make at that point will be best for the church, for the team, for the future, for the community. Because there's safety in having the freedom to use sounding boards. My heart hurts for the people that don't have the opportunity to make those sounds they need to make in their lives. See, you think I'm talking about the church and ideal sharing. I'm talking about you and where you're at in your heart, in your mind, in your life with struggles and pains and desires and fears that you don't know what to do with and who to talk to with. The Bible says this, where no counsel is, people will ultimately fall. But in the multitude of the sounding boards, in the multitude of counselors, you'll find the right way in their safety. Number two, because my iPad's on 10%, and that's going to get you out of here on time today. Number two, a friend is allowed to see you differently than all others. I uh, can tell a funny story. I, I, I heard a knock at the door this week, and it was early in the morning, and, and everybody was gone, and I didn't know who was at the door needed to see me that way. Okay, you were supposed to laugh right there, but that time. <laughs> I was at home. It was early. I was moving towards the shower. I heard somebody knocking. My front door is like 12 foot tall with glass window panes. I'm like, who is in Shudrant at 9 o'clock in the morning? I went the other way, up the stairs. Because I don't know if you need to see me like that. But check this out. I'm not talking about me. I'm not talking about knocks at the doors. I'm talking about your life. I'm, I'm talking about the things that are in you and around you that you have a good friend that you let see. Here's another example of a biblical story of hope where John is allowed to see Jesus differently. Matthew 17, 1 through 6. Six days later, Jesus took the three, Peter, James, and John, and he led them up on a high mountain, away from the 12, away from the 72, away from the 500, away from the 50,000. And as these three men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed before their faces. And his face began to shine like the sun in the clouds. And his clothes became as white as the any bleacher could bleach him. And suddenly, all of a the sudden, there appealed Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the chief prophet. And they're saying, you boys don't need to look any further. The law and the prophets are telling you this is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Peter so freaked out, he said, Lord, this is wonderful. Let's just build three tabernacles right here. You don't even have to go to Jerusalem. You don't, you don't even have to go to Calvary. We can just set up shop right here. You know what he does? Turn around and say, Peter, you're an idiot. Shut up. Sit down. I came for a bigger purpose than that. I tried to let you see me differently, and you don't know what to do with me differently. You need friends in your life that can see you differently, good or bad. Can I tell you something? It's all perspective. It's all perspective. 
When they see you have good times, victories, successes, promotions, and blessings, you'll find out who the good friends in your life are because they'll celebrate you for them. You'll find out also at the same time when God blesses you and opens doors for you and shows His favor on you, who people say they're your friends and they criticize you and demean you and ostracize you for it. They can't handle your success. They like you where you're at. They like you under their cup, under their finger, in the corral that they want you corralled to. But if God moves you to a different position, it'll rub them a little raw, and you'll see their true colors. Good friends in our lives see us in the bad seasons, and they don't turn their eyes away and say, that's not bad. They say, where is the path of redemption out of this bad spot? They say, I see you in a tough spot. I see you in a struggle. I see you made the wrong choice. But I also know that God will cause all things to work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Good friends in your life won't see your failure as final. They'll see it as a promotion to your future. I'm going with you to the end because I'm a friend till the end. They remain in your corner. They remain in your corner. Again, so many people just walk away. I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this before, and i got to be real, real careful this morning with this. But I said to Pastor Chad um, one night, a different night when I got out of his truck, we, we were talking, having, a, having a, a deep conversation about reaching people. And uh, it was a great conversation. And... and at the end of it, I, I remember looking back in the truck at Chad, and, and, and I know Chad has had some of this in his life with church, and, and, and Chad said, you know, it's a real, it's a, it's a tough thing to kick someone out of a church. And I said, Chad, I promise you, I don't stay up late at night anymore about much of my 20 years in church. But there is a situation in my life where I asked two people to leave a church and I thought I was right in South Louisiana and it bothers me to this day. There's another situation in my life where I walked out on somebody and I did not stay to the end because I did not see what I thought I needed to see and it bothers me still to this day. Real friends, stay till the credits roll. Real friends, just don't walk away. Real friends, just don't ask you to leave. I was reading 1 Peter last night as I was studying for this, and yeah, man, the church would love this. I, I should really get them to put the, the, the whole passage up on the screen because there's some verses in here that probably make you shout a little bit more than you've shouted this morning. Hey, Michael Stravada, Pastor Michael Stravada, welcome to Oaks Church this morning. <laughs> <laughs> love you we're friends we, we are really friends we on this friend level so he knows I'm playing by the way he's my counselor <laughs> so he knows everything I'm just kidding um, this first Peter chapter 4 the subtitle in most study Bibles say this it says the Christian walk 
the Christian life, and, and it begins to talk about um, how you should live and how you should strive and, and things you should do. And, and, and I promise if we read it, you'd be like, come on, that's right, good deal. And then it begins to talk about the friends you used to have and how they no longer understand and how the new life you have is different than the old life you have. And that can cause a trouble. Is, anybody, is everybody following me right now? This is how I want you to live. This is the Christian life. This is the life you used to live, the friends you used to have, the things you used to do. And they're no longer going to be the same. And then it hits this verse. I don't know why I never saw this before. It says, but most importantly, he's like writing the whole thing. You'd be shouting, preach on, forget them folks, run the new race, get your new life, dump on them. You'd be shouting me down right now. He says, but most of all, please continue to show deep love for those people. Because <laughs> I want you to know the people you're walking away from their life, it's your love for them that will cover the multitude of their sins. I don't know why I never saw that in my life before. So he's saying, I want you to move this new direction, and there may be some departures from some people in your past, but don't you ever take the spiritual superiority, self-righteous, high horse attitude that I got it and you don't, and now bump you. Continue to show love towards them because it's your love, God's love through you to them that's going to eventually bring them. You got to continue. You got to not walk away. Number three, Pastor Chad, would you please come? Man, we are doing great this morning. Wow. Number three, these are the friends I love in my life. Friends, pick up your slack and fill in the blanks for you. (laughs) Tell a funny story while we're just kind of stall in here for a minute. I get these um, ACMR reports annually. Ms. Melba, can you tell us out loud what ACMR stands for? Kaylee, do you remember what? (laughs) Yep. It's where we have to turn in Everything that happened throughout the year, how many people got saved, how many people came to church, what was average first attendance, second attendance, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, people that got married, people that went to counseling, annual funds, general funds, revenues, increases. I mean, it's when they send me that, I forward it right to someone else and say, fill this out for me. (laughs) I am not finna sit down. I'm gonna be talking to somebody. I'm gonna be with Forrest at the gym talking about Jesus talking about reaching somebody else talk, talking about a struggle talk, you know, I'm, I'm going to be somewhere I'm sorry I may be playing golf racquetball deer hunting docu-series Jeff's life through transmission specialists because I go there every day when I need a good laugh Brooke's like why don't you go I'm like I ain't got no church office I need to use the bathroom they always got high protein food in the refrigerator I go in there and hit the refrigerator, use the bathroom, and find something hilarious to do for an hour. I send those reports, and then I always get an email back from my secretary. No matter how many years it's been, no matter how many secretaries I had, they say, Pastor, what do you want me to put? And I say, you should know me well enough. Fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. I was at Jeff's one day. Every phone line was ringing there. They were all going crazy. I just picked up the phone. I said, Twin City Transmission. The guy said, 
a lady said, are you the secretary? I said, I ain't the secretary, but today I'm going to be your huckleberry. Jeff looked at me. I said, what year, make, model, color, what speed, transmission, automatic, wrote it all down, handed it to him. He said, how in the world do you know to do that? I, I don't know. That's just my thing. Take the load off. I, I, I see you running around crazy, trying to tell 17 people what to do, trying to answer the phone, answer your text. Mama calling kids, calling secretaries, transmissions convert. I'm like, I just saw you drowning. Take a load off. Fill in the blank. Listen to this. I love this. Jesus only made seven statements from Calvary. One day we'll do the series on them, but John 19, 23 through 27 tells us this. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, hanging on the cross, crucified, dying for you and me, they divided his clothes among themselves. They were casting lots for it, playing dice for it. His robe was seamless. That was special in that day. It was woven from the top to the bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's just, let's just gamble for it. This fulfilled the scripture. Isaiah, they divided my garments among themselves and they threw dice for my clothing, for my clothing. So that's what they did. Standing near the cross, follow with me on the screens, were Jesus' mother. Miss Rhonda, I want you to think about Betty, your mama. I hate to do that to you. How much you, I know how much you loved your mama. Love your mama still. I know how much Todd loves his mother. I took Guy through the church the other day and just something inside of me, it was just so tough. I, I felt like it's something she was wanting to see before her day. I, I just, that's why I stopped what I was doing and ran out there and took her through it. I just, I know how much you love her. As I get older, I, I, even though mine was crazy and taught me all the wrong things, but loved me ferociously, I love my mama. Here's Jesus' mother. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Colophus, and also Mary Magdalene, three Marys at the cross. His mama, his aunt, and a prostitute that was filled with seven demons. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, he said this statement, dear woman, from this day forward, that's now your son. And he said to this disciple, from this day forward, that's now your mama. And from then on, this disciple took her into his house. You want to know why? Early church history tells us that Joseph the carpenter had died and married was, wid was widowed. Here's Jesus on the cross saying, if you're my friend, my real friend, I've got to leave for an eternal plan. But here's what I need you to do for me. I need you to pick up my slack. I need you to fill in my blank. I need you to take care of my mama. Real friends in your life in the hard times, they don't add more boulders to your load. They say, excuse me, I can tell you've got a heavy load. Can I take some off of you? I'm going to show you that in scripture. This, this is so amazing to me. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 they won't have this I'm just write it down Galatians 6 and 5 says each of us in this life is intended by God to carry our own load you know what God say that in the kingdom of God there should be no freeloading God is about generosity we are about generosity
God is not an enabler. God loves people, helps people, but God wants us all to become responsible and to carry our own load. But then the scripture comes back and says this, check this out. So I'm not saying you should carry, I'm I'm not saying I should not have a load. I'm saying I should carry the load that God has designed me to carry. But what I should not do is carry a load that I was never designed to tote. So he comes back and he says this, we should know that we should share each other's burdens. And in this way, you're actually fulfilling the law of Christ. The word load and burden are different in the Greek language. Load is an intended weight you can move. Burden is an excess weight that you're unable to carry. What it says is you carry what you're able to carry, but someone who's your true friend should help you carry what's too much for you to tote. So John looks at Jesus. Jesus looks at John and says, I'll fill in your blank. I'll pick up your slack. I'm your true friend. This is a hard time. Let me lighten your load. This is the atmosphere that I kind of wanted today. Maybe you want to just ask yourself some of these questions or will allow me humbly to ask you these questions as I'm asking myself today, who are your friends? Who are they? Do you have any? Do they know the real you? Have they seen the real you? Do they still love you? Do you have friends that are lifting your load, filling in your blanks, picking up your slack? Or do you have people that say they're your friends and they're adding to your loads, creating more blanks, taking up the slack?